God bless you guys. Amen. So good to be here together in the presence of Almighty God. Nice and cool outside. It's going to be cool all week. <laughs> Since we're talking about that, uh, do be careful this week. <laughs> it's going to be a scorchers every day. So, yeah, do what you can to mitigate that. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be in here. I think the AC is going to be running constantly. So uh, just keep that in mind. If it's blowing on you, it's probably not going to stop. <laughs> uh, if you don't like that, uh, there's got to be somewhere else. I don't know what the zones are out there. It's always hot up here. So, <laughs> amen. But keep that in mind. Let's all stand. Have you come expecting today? Praise God. Because we worship a God who is infinite. We worship a God who can do anything. Anything is possible with God. Doesn't matter what we're facing, circumstances, situations, none of that. It's completely it's relevant to us. We see huge things. God sees little itty bitty things. Everything is small to God. Everything is possible with God. Amen. So when we come to Him, let's come to Him with expectancy. Expecting Him to do great things. Because He is a great big God. He doesn't do things small. He can do things huge. Praise God. Let's release Him into our situations today, into our service this morning. Lord Jesus, we worship You. We praise You. We laud and we magnify You. Thank You, Jesus, for this opportunity You've given us again to enter into Your presence. To enter into the very throne room of God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome opportunity we have today to receive of You Your good things. Lord Jesus, open our eyes of faith today. Let faith be released into this assembly today to believe You for everything that we have need of. Everything that we're desiring of You. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that as we pray according to Your will, that it would be accomplished in our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would move mightily and wondrously in our midst that You would meet every need, that Your name would be worshipped and praised and glorified and honored in this place, that You would be lifted up in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus! Because You and You only are worthy of all worship and all praise. Only You are worthy to receive glory and honor. Hallelujah, Jesus! I pray that all eyes, all hearts, all ears would be attent unto You today to enter into Your presence and to receive of You that we would bind together as one body entering into Your presence today. I pray, God, that all of Your heart would be manifest here. All of Your will would be manifest in our midst this morning. Praise God. And that Your mighty name would be glorified. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We magnify You. We magnify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That name which is above every name. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We thank You for Your goodness. We worship You for Your greatness. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Our youth can be dismissed at this time. Praise God. By way of review... Last week, 
we learned that the result of the ordinary practices of prayer, fellowship, and worship, along with the extraordinary miracles and ministries, was salvation regularly extended to others. Amen. It was a combination of, dare I say, dull and boring daily disciplines combined with extraordinary events that transpired from those that resulted in the salvation of many. Amen. Those dull and ordinary disciplines are so important, folks. Daily prayer, daily Bible study and devotion. Amen. They are important. They are necessary if we are to do what God has called us to do. The disciples ministered to others and operated in the miraculous. We saw that. We can see that any time we want. If we just turn to the book of Acts, see it any time you want. It's right there. They operated in the miraculous. The disciples were determined to testify about Jesus. It didn't matter what they were told. It didn't matter how they were threatened or disciplined or, or thrown in prison. They still preached Jesus. Amen. And I hope that we have settled in our hearts and our minds this morning that whatever may come down the road, that we are determined to serve the Lord our God in whatever capacity He's called us to serve, that we will continue to preach and teach Jesus Christ to those around us, no matter what the world says or thinks about us. You know, we, uh, we got in our minds an idea of what persecution is in the United States. Someone snickers at us and kind of gives us a snide remark. Oh, is that what you believe? Oh, and oh man, I'm, I'm persecuted for Jesus. Folks, I, I mean, I don't, I don't speak from experience, but that's not persecution. People snicker and give snide remarks for being a Steelers fan. I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing extraordinary about that. <laughs> and I have to imagine, again, not from experience, if I'm speaking from experience, I don't have the first clue, but uh, people who are brothers and sisters in other countries, uh, in other time periods, who have been thrown in prison, who are and have been tortured for the name of, of Jesus and for... Uh, for the testimony that they've offered of Him. I don't expect that they're sitting in prison thinking, oh, I'm being persecuted. Oh, this is, I just got to get through this persecution. I, I, I got to get through the hard times. I don't think that's what's on their mind. I look at uh, Paul and Silas when they were in prison. That's not what they were thinking about. They were offering worship. They were praying, praising. I think, and again, I have no clue. I've never been persecuted like this, but I have to imagine that those that are, they're of a state of mind where, where they're not thinking about I'm being persecuted, but I'm in a position where I can serve the Lord. I can worship God in this situation. I can offer a testimony in this situation. Amen. That's another mindset altogether. The church prayed together and cared for one another. They loved one another, folks. It wasn't a bunch of disparate individuals running here and there doing their own thing. It was a body. They cared for one another. They ministered one to another. 
The miraculous is still available today. We all understand that intellectually. We hope for it spiritually. But it is available. They haven't ceased. Everything that was available to the apostles is available to us today. Amen. Think about that for a moment. Everything that was available to the apostles is available to you and I today. They have the same Holy Ghost that you and I have. They had the same name of Jesus that you and I have. Now, they were called to different ministries. I understand that. But the same Holy Ghost is available to us. That was available to them. We are called to minister to one another and care for each other. We are called to be the body of Christ today. The church functions best when members are in the right place, performing the tasks most suited to their particular callings. Now, later on in the lesson today, we're going to be talking about general callings and specific callings. But our specific callings, those tasks most suited to us, the place that God has called us to be. Wouldn't it be weird when you spoke to me if all you saw was an aorta? Or a femur bone? Wouldn't that be strange? How would you speak to an aorta? How would an aorta speak back? No, when we speak to one another, I recognize you as you and you recognize me as me, but I'm actually a collection of different organs and, 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 and systems and functions. But we don't see that. We see a, we see a person. We see a, a whole being. When someone comes into our church, when someone encounters the church for the first time, that's what they should encounter. Not a bunch of different individuals, but the body of Christ. They should see Jesus in that body. That is the church, folks. Daily devotions. Day one, as the apostles were ridiculed and rejected, so might we be, or perhaps already have been. We understand that. Uh, Jesus said, if the world hate you, it hated me first. first. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-13 through 13 says this, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Again, that mindset that the apostles had was not one of, oh, woe is me. They recognized the state that they were in, but they also recognized that this isn't, this isn't reality. I am being persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I'm in this situation, but I have all things. I have everything I need. I have Jesus Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing, starting with verse 8. Uh, he says, Now ye are full, now ye are rich, ye have reigned as kings without us, and I would to God ye did reign, that we might also reign with you. 
For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst, and are naked and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place, and labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world, and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. Amen. Are we prepared to enter into a state like that if called to do so? Nobody likes being persecuted. Nobody likes being mocked or ridiculed. Nobody likes being disrespected. No one gets up in the morning looking forward to a day with that. But if it comes, folks, understand it came to Jesus first. It came to the apostles afterward. It came to many men and women of God after them, before you. I think it puts us in pretty good company. How about Jesus? Isaiah 53, 3 and 4 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Amen. That was Christ's ministry. And He did that for you. And He did that for me. Amen. Day 2. Holocaust survivor Victor Parkas is quoted as saying this, When you are hungry, everything else becomes secondary. That's all I wrote for day 2. That's all I needed to hear. That was amazing. Think of the spiritual ramifications of that. When you're hungry, folks, nothing else really matters. When I'm hungry for Jesus Christ, when I'm hungry for the Word of God, that comes first. I'm going to make sure that that gets done. I'm going to make sure that I get to the Word of God, that I get to a place of prayer, that I fulfill my obligations, my spiritual responsibilities, my ministry that He has called me to. When I'm hungry after the things of God, folks, nothing in this world matters anymore. Amen. Day three, we need to understand the apostles, as, as the apostles in the first century church did, two things. One, the utter impotence of the enemy. I know it seems like the enemy's in charge. I know we look at the world today, we look at the news, it seems like, man, they do whatever they want to do. They just run roughshod over righteousness and truth. We also need to understand the absolute authority and infinite power of the God who fights for us. Folks, He has always been, is, and always will be on the throne. He is in charge. I know what it looks like out there. It looks crazy out there. Really? God's in charge of that? Yes. Yes, He is. And when we continue to submit ourselves to God and trust in Him, folks, everything works out just fine. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be scared or afraid or timid. We don't have to be any of that. We can be bold in Jesus Christ. We can move forward confidently in Him. The ministries that He's given us, no matter what's going on out there, we have confidence in the Lord our God because He fights for us. 
He is always in control. Day four. When we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, everything we go through works out for good. We understand that. Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Amen. We love to quote that because it's true. Works out according to His purpose. Now, as long as His purpose is our purpose, things seem good. But when His purpose isn't our purpose, when I'm at odds with Jesus' purpose, things don't seem good. Things don't seem to work together for good. i got to understand, I'm working toward His purpose here. Not mine. His plan. Not mine. When Jesus died on the cross... That seemed like a pretty hopeless situation. The disciples ran and hid. What are we going to do now? This thing is done. It's destroyed. It's over. Whatever we thought we, were, we had or was going to happen, that's gone now. Peter said, I go fishing. <clears throat> we'll come with you. I don't, I don't know what else to do here. But it worked together for good. Jesus had it under control. This is exactly what He wanted to happen in the first place. He was supposed to die. That's why He came. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8 says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They were clueless, folks. They had no idea what was going on. Jesus played him for a fool. Like he does. Because they are. The enemy is a fool. He's very intelligent in some ways. But in other ways, he is so stupid. Whatever happens in our lives, folks, if we're submitted to the will and plan of God, we're obedient to Him, please understand, it's going to work together for good. At some point in time, God's going to reveal His plan in it. And you're going to be like, oh my word, this is awesome. I had no idea this was going on. Day 5. The body heals the body. It's the only thing I wrote for day 5. That was enough. The body heals the body. What an awesome thought that is. When we come to the house of God... Our brothers and sisters, gather around us in our time of need. Pray for us. Minister to us. Encourage and strengthen us. We've heard it said that the church is the only only place that, that kills off its wounded. I hope that's never the case here. When someone wounded comes in, what did they say of Jesus? A bruised reed will he not break. A smoking flax will he not quench. Amen. With tenderness and compassion. Coaxing that back into a flame. Mending the reed so it's strong again. That's our ministry, folks. To one another. To encourage and to strengthen. When you're up and you're doing great, I'm going to rejoice with you. When you're in a time of sorrow, when you're in a time of of struggle... I'm going to come alongside of you, cry with you, pray with you, do whatever I can to help. Amen. The body heals the body. Praise God.
Our scripture text today is found in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Familiar passage to a lot of people. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 states this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Today we're going to be speaking about the church in action. More particularly, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to discover some things about the gospel that maybe we hadn't considered before. Did you know? Have you considered that the gospel is more than just getting someone the Holy Ghost? The gospel is more than just, we need to, we need to preach it to a bunch of people so we can fill our pews. So we can have a great big church. I want a big church as much as the next guy. Because big church means lots of people, lots of souls, lots of people being saved and working toward the kingdom of God. That's what I see when I see a big church. But it's more than that. We'll talk about that. In 490, the Persians invaded Greece to bring Greece under the control of the Persian Empire. Although there were several Greek city-states, the Athenians were most impacted by the invasion. The Battle of Marathon was a key battle that turned the tide of the First Greco-Persian War. Those interested in history, I find it fascinating. The defeat did not critically wound the Persians, however. It significantly increased Athenian morale. Their victory proved the Greeks could resist the Persians and even defeat them on the battlefield. Marathon was located approximately 25 miles from Athens. Legend states that a messenger named Pheidippides, not spelled that way, was commissioned to carry the good news of the victory back to the Athenians. Pheidippides swiftly ran south to Athens, but after he arrived, he collapsed and died immediately once he shared the good news. While the Athenians lamented his death, they were relieved to know their enemy was defeated. Pheidippides' good news brought the Athenians relief and comfort. This story is more than just a brief lesson in Greek history. The New Testament was written in Greek rather than Hebrew to communicate the gospel with as many people as possible. Alexander the Great's army conquered much of the known world and painted the world Greek between 336 to 323 B.C. The Greek language became an important means of communication across the new empire. When the Romans conquered the Greeks in 146 B.C., they recognized the usefulness of the Greek language and continued speaking and writing it. As a result, the New Testament was strategically written in Greek. Greek words were with biblical... Easy for me to say. Greek words with biblical significance would have been used to describe Pheidippides. Since his message was good news, the Greek word evangelion was likely used. This word is usually translated gospel in our English translations, and it denotes good news and victory. New Testament authors use evangelion to, de- I think I'm pronouncing that right, to present the message of Jesus overcoming the forces of sin and death. His victory is good news for all humanity. When Jesus commissioned his disciples to preach the gospel, he called them apostles, or apostolos. In Greek, the Greeks regularly used apostolos to refer to a messenger or someone sent forth with orders. Just as Philippides was sent forth as a messenger carrying good news, Christ has sent us into the world as messengers with his good news. 
We are heralds of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we proclaim this kingdom's victory over the forces of evil, death, and sin. Amen. So, the gospel message, the good news. Before His ascension, Jesus reminded the disciples of His purpose. One, He had to suffer and die and rise from the dead. Now this goes back... I'm going, to be, I'm going to be pulling a lot of Old Testament Scripture in this. And the reason for that is because they tie together. The Old Testament demonstrates in the physical the spiritual realities we experience today. It's referred to as types and shadows. Genesis 3.21 says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Their idea as to how to cover sin was to, to pull off leaves, plants, and cover them with fig leaves. That was their idea. God said, no, that is not sufficient. He demonstrated to them that it would take death to cover it. The spilling of blood. The wages of sin is death. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Okay. Hebrews 9.22, quoting that, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Now, in the Old Testament, we have an example of what Jesus did for us in the idea of the Passover. The Passover in Exodus chapter 12 was where God, that was the final judgment against Egypt, God was going to smite all the firstborn. The firstborn of man, the firstborn of beast, firstborn of everything. Unless, unless you followed the commandment of the Lord. And if you followed the commandment of the Lord and you believed in God enough to follow the commandment of the Lord, to be obedient, the death angel would pass you by. You would be delivered from that. Exodus 12, verse 3 says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. He shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat it. Verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, because He is the God of heaven and earth. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein ye are. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Amen. So we have an example here of what's going on in the Old Testament. That when you submit yourself to the plan of God in faithful obedience, we are delivered from judgment. Isaiah 53 and 7 says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, 
so he openeth not his mouth. The prophet referring to another lamb, a lamb to come. John one twenty nine says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we see weaved all the way through Scripture that God had ordained this from the foundation of the world. That He was to come, wrap Himself in flesh, suffer on a cross and die in our place, spilling His holy, perfect blood to cover our sins. All the way from the very beginning, this was planned out. The disciples needed to understand that Jesus was the Gospel that was to be preached. Now, to understand just how good this good news is, we first have to understand how bad the bad news is. Now, the bad news is, and we've talked about this at length before, there are no good people. There are nice people, there are polite people, but there are no good people. Mark 10:18 says, Jesus said unto them, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Only God is good. And He is good altogether. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin? And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 3.9 What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. There's no one else left. You're a Jew or you're a Gentile. They're all under sin. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Greek word for sin is harmarsia. Again, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Implies an archer missing the mark. That's what sin is. It's when we miss the mark. Now, as an archer... If I miss the target by just a couple millimeters or a country mile, I've missed it. It doesn't matter how close I got. I was almost there. I missed it. Did you fulfill all the law or did you not? I missed the mark, folks. I broke the law at many points. Therefore, I needed a Savior. And there was nothing I could do about it. There was nothing I could do to save myself. There was nothing I could do to forgive my own sins and do enough good, make it up somewhere else. I couldn't. I missed the mark. That's the bad news, folks. I was without hope. Except... For Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, 
blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. Jesus frees us from the guilt of sin because He bore the wrath for that sin on the cross. He stood between heaven and earth. He stood between a righteous and a just God and you. And He took the just punishment of our sins Himself. He bore the full wrath of that sin Himself. Praise God. And that's the good news. We were without hope. But Jesus took our place in judgment. And now He forgives us freely our sin, our trespass against God. Praise God. Folks, if we could just see, if we could just grasp for a moment, we like to, we can see where other people were. That's no problem for us. We can see how bad and how desperate other people were. But me, I was pretty good. I was, I was okay. I had a few quirks. I had a few things there. But I was, I was a good person. No, you weren't. No, I wasn't. I was altogether degenerate. All the way down. Whatever you can imagine. That was my nature. That's who I was by nature. A child of wrath. By nature, I was... God's ways were abominable to me. I wasn't basically a good person. I was raised to be polite. But my nature was sin. My nature was rebellion. That's who I was. But God makes us a new creature. If I can understand how deplorable, how degenerate, how broken I really was, I can begin to understand the miracle that is salvation. I can begin to understand what Jesus really did for me. He didn't just bump me a little bit in the right direction. He completely transformed who I was from the ground up into a child of God. I'm not a child of wrath anymore. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a child of God. Praise God. He made me brand new. He made you brand new. That's what salvation is. That's the power of the Gospel. Remembering Christ's purpose. Jesus came to do more than deliver us from the guilt of sin and the wrath of God. Although, if that's all He did, that would be plenty for me. That would be plenty. Thank you, Jesus. If that's all He did and then just left until He took me home, I would be fine with that. I'm glad He doesn't. I'm glad I can have a relationship with Him and all of, all of these other benefits. I'm thankful for them. But if, if all He did was save me, if all He did was deliver me from the, the bondage of sin and takes me home to heaven, that would be enough. But He does more than that. Jesus also broke the power of sin through His resurrection. Acts 26.18 says, "...to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Me." Praise God. Turn us from the power of Satan unto God. 
We had one master before. We have another master today. Praise God. Romans 6. A little bit of a lengthy reading, but I think important. Romans 6, 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like us Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Think about it. You put a bullet to my head and shoot, I'm dead. I'm not going to be offended by that. I can't be anymore. You can kick me. You can call me names. There will be no reaction. I'm dead. When we're dead, we're freed from sin. Now if we be dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died once unto sin. He died unto sin once. But in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. He came to break the the yoke of sin, the dominion, the bondage of sin from off of us. The power of sin no more affects us. It doesn't. At least it doesn't have to. If you submit yourself to sin, His servant ye shall be. But sin ought not have dominion over the child of God. We have been freed from that. We have liberty in Jesus Christ. We're not bound by the power of sin anymore. We're free. That's the power of the Gospel. We are made free. Free to serve Him. Free to please Him. To live in a manner that's pleasing and glorifying to God. Amen. What an awesome hope we have in Jesus Christ. But even though this is true, the old man can and will continue to war against our new resurrected nature. We understand that. There's a battle back and forth. Don't feed your old nature, folks. Don't look at things you ought not look at. Don't listen to things you ought not listen to. Watch things. Listen to things that are pleasing and glorifying to God. Feed the new man. Get into the Word of God. Crucify your old nature daily. Paul said, I die daily. Continue to crucify the old man. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Understand. Be aware. 
Be vigilant. We are called to play an active role in putting sin's behavior to death. Colossians 3.5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You mortify your members. You do it. That's our part. But Jesus gives us the power to do that. Jesus gives us victory over the effects of sin, demons, and devils. Romans 10, 7, and 8 says, As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. When I made the statement earlier that said it, I said everything the apostles had available to them, we have available to us. We know that there are people in our movement who are used mightily of God. Brother Lee Stone King always comes to mind. He's been kind of the, the preeminent guy uh, when it comes to the supernatural. There are others that are, that are there as well. And I'm not to a place yet where, where I'm going to say definitively, uh, because I can't say it definitively, that it's God's will to heal every single time and, and the problem isn't Him, it's me. Uh, I'm not prepared to, but what I am prepared to say absolutely, confidently is this. I think God wants to heal a whole lot more than He does. I think God wants to save a whole lot more than He does. I think God wants to deliver a whole lot more than He does. I believe that's true. Now, you can believe what you want. Well, we can talk about it. But I think, I think, I believe with all my heart that He wants to do a whole lot more than He's doing. Why? Why can't He? Why, why isn't He? It's not that He doesn't want to. It's us. When he went back home, why could he not do many mighty miracles? Their unbelief. That and, and disobedience, rebellion, those are the only things I see in Scripture that, that stop that. It's not that God doesn't want to. All right. Let's move on, shall we? Mark sixteen fourteen through 20. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Remember that. Because they believed not them. Okay. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. Believe what? What aren't they believing? That Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected. And these signs shall follow them that believe. I don't know how many times. I've lost count of how many times this has been preached over this pulpit. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Do we have the ability, the power, and the authority to cast out devils? Has Jesus Christ given us that? Amen. That means there are devils out there, folks. That means they're real. They're not, it's not some concept, some concept of evil. They're actual 
creatures, entities, with motivations and intelligence and, and And we're going to encounter them. They shall speak with new tongues. We understand that. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. No serpents in the church. Just throwing that out there. Don't bring them in here. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now, I think, I believe with all my heart, we should be seeing more of this. God confirming his word with signs following. This is a partnership. We are yoked together with him. Amen. For whatever reason, He's chosen to use us in this capacity. But of a surety, I can't do anything without Him. I can't. If I'm doing this on my own, there's the results of me doing everything on my own. Yay, I was busy, Bishop, but not effective. When I work with Him, when He works with me, when I submit myself to Him and follow His plan, follow His leading, we are made effectual in His service. Don't we want to be effectual? Oh, but look at everything I'm doing. Look at all the stuff that's going on here. But nothing's coming of it. Who cares? I couldn't care less what you got going on. The results are nil. I want to see the results, folks. I want to see God adding to the church. I want to see God moving, working, confirming His Word. Jesus came to set us free from the guilt and condemnation of our sin, the effects and the power of sin over us, and every demon and devil that could ever come against us. Amen. He has set us completely and altogether free. And He wants to set every man and woman and child in this world Completely and absolutely free. He loves you just as much as He loves them. Praise God. He declares a jubilee in the life of every person that comes to Him. We might have time. Leviticus 25, 9 and 10 talks about it. Leviticus 25 goes through the year of jubilee. It's an amazing, amazing time in the, in the period of... Of Israel. 9 and 10. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a Jubilee unto you. And ye shall return every man unto his possession. And ye shall return every man unto his family. A time of liberty. A time that you were set free from debt, from bondage. If you had borrowed something, you return it. If, uh, if, you, uh, if you were in debt, that debt was forgiven. What an amazing time. And every time someone comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, that jubilee is declared. Praise God. I don't have time to go into all of that. but 
What an awesome, what an awesome thing, the year of Jubilee. John 8, 34 through 36. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Praise God. You are set free absolutely, completely, without reservation, no exceptions. You are free. Praise God. Does Jesus have the authority and the power to do that? You better believe He does. He's the one that paid for it. Jesus declared to the disciples their purpose. Preach the gospel to every creature. Sin affects more than just humanity, folks. Sin affected the entire creation. It fractured the entire creation to its core. I know this is, this is the most beautiful area in the country. I'm convinced of it. This lacrosse area. Friends come in, visit from time to time. They feel like they're on vacation somewhere exotic. The bluffs, the hills, the, the forests, amen. What a beautiful area. But it's cursed by sin. The most beautiful areas in the world. And there are some beautiful areas in the world. They're cursed by sin. If you go into those beautiful woods, you're going to get bit by mosquitoes. You're going to get ticks. You might meet a snake. I mean... Romans 8, 22 and 23 says, We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Folks, at some point in time, our physical bodies, earth, all of creation, they're going to be made brand new. This body is not going to be redeemed. It's going to the dust from whence it came. But we will receive a new body. A spiritual body. Praise God. Everything is going to be made brand new. All the lingering power of sin as well as the damages caused by sin will be removed from creation. It will be made and restored as it should have been this whole time. As it was originally intended to be. Death, the last enemy, will be defeated. It was never meant to be. Death was never supposed to happen. When we share the Gospel, we're not only teaching people about Jesus, but we're proclaiming His glorious good news to His entire creation. Amen. We are to teach all nations. Each account... Of the Great Commission states Jesus commissioned to preach the gospel to all nations. Matthew twenty eight eighteen, Mark sixteen fifteen, Luke twenty four forty seven. They all state preaching the gospel to all nations. What are we teaching? What are we preaching? The good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That God came in the form of a man. 
for the sole purpose of spilling His blood that we might receive everlasting life. Praise God. We're teaching the Gospel. We're explaining what God has done in our lives. Our testimony. There's nothing quite as powerful as a personal testimony, folks. We're going to hear some about men's, men's camp here at second service. What God did for me. You guys can argue Scripture all day long. Oh, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, okay. But let me tell you what God did do for me. I think of the uh, when Jesus healed the, the blind man and the, the Pharisees came up to him later. And I said, don't you know that that man was a sinner? And I'll paraphrase it. Yeah, I, I don't know all that, but this is what I do know. I was blind. Now I can see. That's what I know. That, that, those are the facts, and they are irrefutable. We teach the Word of God. We teach the Word of Truth. Search the Scriptures. They speak of me. You'll find Jesus in the Word of God. Baptize. Did you know, I didn't know this, that water baptism predates John the Baptist? Effectively. Gentiles wishing to convert to Judaism would have to go through a ceremonial uh, washing, a ritual washing, along with being circumcised. And so when John was preaching the baptism of repentance to the Jews, what they heard was, our lineage, our Abrahamic lineage, is not enough. It's always been enough. We're children of Abraham. We're Jews. I'm not a proselyte. I'm a Jew by birth. John was saying that's not enough. I could raise up of these stones a child of Abraham. We are buried with Christ in baptism. Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Baptism is the sign of entering into the new covenant with Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 10-12 says, Ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. Amen. Uh, if you look at Genesis 17, we read about how God instituted circumcision when He established a covenant with Abram. He also at that time changed His name from Abram to Abraham. Amen. So also when we're baptized... We enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and our names get changed as well. When His name is pronounced over us and we're adopted into His family, we take on His name, the name of Jesus Christ. In baptism, our sins are remitted, which means to cancel, pardon, forgive. 
Acts 2.38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are to proclaim the gospel to everyone. We all have two commissions from the Lord Jesus Christ. Our general commission is to preach the gospel to every creature. That is given to every child of God. Preach to teach to share the good news of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, and child. Amen. We do it in different ways. We do it in different fashions. We all have different personalities. We all understand that. But we are all empowered. We are all commissioned, ordained to go and proclaim the good news. Our specific or individual calling is that calling uniquely specialized for our skills, personalities, life experiences, etc. As we fulfill our general calling, we will be led into our specific calling. As we proclaim the good news to those around us, God will lead us into our specific calling. Amen. God always seems to look for people who are working. He uses people who are working. Praise God. Amen. Do we have time? All right. In conclusion, the original audience of the Epistle of Hebrews is unknown. Some suggest the Epistle was written to Jewish Christians living in Rome, while others suggest it was written to the church in Jerusalem. However, Based on references within the letter, the audience was Jewish, Hebrews 1.1, immature in their faith, Hebrews 5.12, experiencing persecution, Hebrews 10.32-35, and wavering in their commitment to their faith, Hebrews 10.26-27. and 27. The writer wrote to help them grow in their faith despite their intense persecution. The writer of Hebrews invited his audience to consider the individuals who previously suffered for following the will of God. Although Hebrews 11 is often considered highlighting the heroes of faith, a more fitting description might be highlighting persons who suffered immensely for the faith. Hebrews 12 and 1 encourages believers to lay aside our setbacks, particularly the sins that ensnare us, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. These witnesses are those who have lived the life, the life of faith before us. Their faithfulness bears witness to our faithfulness to God. By their example and encouragement, we patiently run our race set before us. This race is not only won by endurance and faithfulness, but also by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The New Living Translation calls Jesus the champion of our faith, meaning he successfully ran and completed this race without any errors. Jesus endured all the hostility, shame, and pain of the cross by focusing on the tremendous power of the gospel to save us. When we err, we are encouraged to focus on the faithful testimony of believers and on what gave Jesus strength. Hebrews advocates that we must be other-focused rather than self-focused. It is not about our strength or, or ability, but how we are encouraged by the community of faith and empowered by Jesus Himself. When Jesus comes and we meet the saints who have gone before us, instead of us asking them their stories, they may ask you your story. Consider the joy and excitement shining on their faces as we testify of the great work God did through His Spirit. We are and will continue to be witnesses of what Jesus has done and continues to do. 
We will tell the story of how we overcame. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that in the fullness of time, You came in the form of a man. You suffered on a cross in my place and You died in my place. You shed Your blood. You took the just punishment of my sin upon Yourself. And after having done so, You you freely forgave. You forgave everything. You pardoned it completely and absolutely all of my sin and my iniquity and my transgression, my rebellion. Oh, hallelujah. You continue to save me every day. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you died, you were buried, and that you rose again in newness of life. Thank you, Jesus, that as we submit ourselves to that, we too experience newness of life in you. That we are made new creatures in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are become new. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. I pray that you'd bless the remainder of our service. Continue to let your perfect will manifest in this place. Bless your people, I pray, and these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll be back.